Hey there, legendary listeners. You are listening to the Halo Effect podcast with Lauren Quellhurst, and we have the beautiful Alex Kataba here on this episode today, which is going to focus around her story and adding value to what is what she's passionate about and um, and what really came through when I came across Alex was her mission of self-love and I know that this is such a huge topic at the moment and people have various reactions to this word or this phrase in particular Um, but when I reached out to Alex and I wanted to get the story behind what the self-collective was all about she was talking to me about her background and the catalyst for it being with her anxiety and depression and so Without doing a disservice to her story, I would like her to actually um, speak to her story and how this all came about, what her mission is, and and just, yeah, the beautiful message behind this beautiful person. So if you could, Alex, could you just start with telling your story a little bit, bit about who you are and what got you onto the path that you're currently on today? Yeah, for sure. So I got onto this path of yoga in terms like relation to self-love and mental health because when I was 14 years old, my dad passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And like up to that point, my childhood was very like stable and I didn't like deal with any like like crazy stressors or anything like that. But at, like at that point, everything sort of like flip the switch and it flipped the switch really quickly. So I felt like I got thrown in the deep end. I was lost, confused, angry, just trying to be a normal teenager. And I didn't, I felt like I couldn't relate to anybody. And I felt like I had no one to turn to that really understood what was going on with me. Um, And I struggled with like a a little bit of anxiety and depression throughout high school. Um, But it really just, because I wasn't dealing with it in an effective way, it like began to spiral and build and build and build and get worse through my university experience. And it wasn't until I finally just like took that leap of faith and turned to yoga on a whim that after a couple months of a consistent practice, maybe, I don't know, like once or twice a week, I began to notice those big shifts and my life in and of itself on a day-to-day basis, like didn't change all that much, but it was that Um, that self-awareness component that really was the catalyst for my healing journey and then from there uh, things expanded into like seeking out therapy and stuff like that as well but um, when push comes to shove everything I do now is rooted in yoga and mindfulness and the like just underlying philosophies and with the self-love collective I like to focus on making self-love actionable for people who are either struggling with anxiety or depression or just like really burnt out overwhelmed with work that kind of thing and just like can't seem to get their schedules like in control and showing them like simple easy and actionable ways to make self-love and self-care priority in their everyday lives rather than it being like this crazy ritualistic like bubble bath face mask thing because I mean we all love that stuff, right? But it's not sustainable in the long term, and it's not gonna make a big difference on, uh, it, like, if you're really struggling with anxiety and depression or trying to fight like burnout or overwhelm. I love that, and it's something that my sister and I talk about a lot, like in the business that she does and and what I do. And it's always about meeting the person or the client, whatever you call them, where they're at, because yeah, we all 
well, if you've been pampered, it's so nice. Like it's such a beautiful feeling, but at the same time, it's like, what is an actionable step that they can actually do themselves even when you're not there? And that's like not daunting them to go, oh my God, I don't have five hours in the morning to, you know, do all the things that Alex said. It was like, oh, just that one thing of like, maybe wake up and call somebody that I love or, you know, write down something that I'm really grateful, <clears throat> pardon me, grateful for. And yeah, I, I really love it when I hear people doing things that are taking action like we can we can listen so much and we can you know we can study and we can be a seeker and a student forever but until we start implementing things there's really um you don't really get any noticeable change and that's what's obviously happened with you like you took action through that struggle and you know, it wasn't just like you sat in your anxiety and depression. And I would, I'd be really curious to, um, to know if you self-diagnose yourself with anxiety and depression or if someone else mentioned it to you. Um, and also if you have a definition for what anxiety and depression is. So I wouldn't say I self-diagnosed. Um, I was talking to like counselors and therapists at the time, like in the later years of high school and early university. And they, like, I don't, like, I don't, I wouldn't say it was like something that was like super formal, but it was definitely an underlying current to a lot of the conversations that we had, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. And for me, like anxiety came in the form of like, so I studied psychology in university as well. Um, so I can kind of touch on like the medical side as well a little bit. And for me, I had like general anxiety that would progress into panic attacks when I got really overwhelmed. So in terms of general stuff, it was a lot of just like overthinking, doubting myself, um, nothing like super, super severe. But when I got to the point where I wasn't like necessarily like taking care of myself or managing my stress, it, it would feel and it like progressed to a panic attack, it would feel as if like the world was ending. I was like in a state of like uncontrollable, like anger, frustration and rage. And no matter what happened, it, I wouldn't be able to seem to like calm down or snap out of it. And I just had like, it was almost like, I mean, emotions are such volatile things, right? But it's one of those things where like, it felt like a complete loss of control and the whole like self-awareness, witness, witness conscious stuff that we talk about in yoga was like completely gone. And I was just like doing things and not thinking about my own like sense of self or like how I was affecting other people and that kind of thing. And it would happen, like I would get them periodically for, I don't know, like a stretch of like, two to three months at a time. And then in terms of depression, for me, that was very isolating, lonely. It felt almost as if I was like suffocating and just like really like bogged down with like lethargic, heavy energy. My lack of enjoyment in things that I used to um, enjoy was completely gone. I lost a lot of touch or I lost a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I lost a lot of um, like relationships and like friendships and stuff because I was just so withdrawn from everybody. And it felt like, I don't know, it just felt really alone and isolating and almost like you're living on autopilot and like going, going through the motions of like going to work, going to school, going to like get groceries and like make food and stuff. But that like enjoyment spark zest for life was just completely gone. How long did it take you to move through that? Because the catalyst was when your dad passed away. I've noted that, but how long was it until you really felt strong within yourself that even if you got triggered by maybe feeling anxious again or depressed again, that you really knew you could rely on your, the tools of yoga or other tools that you'd um, acquired that it wasn't going to be a problem or yeah. So I turned to yoga probably about, I'm trying to think, eight or nine years after my dad passed away. So it was a bit of a struggle, like kind of up until that point, but it probably took about a year and a half to two years of being really consistent, like with a yoga and meditation practice that like I could have that awareness component and watch things unfold and just be like okay I'm just feeling this way right now I'm trying to be like compassionate and not judge myself and just like be kind and like embrace like grace and all that into any moments of struggle but I mean to this day we I I still struggle sometimes but I know I now have the understanding that it's just um like moments in time and nothing is permanent so that is really helpful as well Definitely. And it would make you so real to your students and, and not only your students, but the people that you're around, whether it's family or friends as well. It's not like you're sitting on this little yoga pedestal because you practice now you're this goddess and everything's, you know, figured out. And I think sometimes people think that, you know, when you come across with a a good energy or you're smiling and sometimes people might mistake that for life has always been good but usually behind every happy person I'm always just like I want to know their story I want to know why they are the way they are because a lot of people say to me oh you're always so happy you're always so this and it's like that hasn't come without struggle and it hasn't come without understanding a lot about yourself that isn't overly pleasant to know and it's like and you still have to live with that for the rest of your life as well like it's yeah it's something that is a part of you and it's you I guess now you have the perspective to see that as a beautiful part of yourself as well to be able to share that story and to serve others um so in terms of communicating all of that was that through counsellors and therapists quite early on or did you speak to friends and family or did you feel a lot of shame around that area I'm curious so uh I don't know that I would say I felt a lot of shame about like interacting with like friends and family members I don't like I, I love my family but we're not exactly like open books with each other so it's not like I go to them when I'm having a bad day and Um, like back in high school and early university I like I love my friends to death but I was a little bit slow to open up 
And because of everything that happened to me at such a young age, I felt like a lot of my friends just like didn't understand because they would be complaining, oh, my mom like won't give me money for this or my parents are fighting or I got into this like fight with them. And I'm just like, they're like, okay, well, at least you have parents. Um, So it felt like kind of one step removed in that regard. Um, But like these days, I definitely am way more capable and confident in having conversations with friends and family members when um, like, for instance, they do something that like upsets me or whatever, like I'm more of an open book and I'm more just like upfront about things. And that has been really transformative as well. Brilliant. Who did you train with? What is your, what's the style of yoga that you practice um, versus the, maybe the style of yoga that you were trained in? And has that, like, have you formed your own kind of practice outside of your training? So I studied at the Yandara Yoga Institute in Baja, Mexico, and their, their style of training focused primarily on like Hatha Vinyasa style stuff. And my practice and in the way I teach, it's um, a lot of Vinyasa and power inspired stuff and kind of like a happy medium of both of those things. I, when I first started my yoga practice, I always loved the um, more faster movements, the challenging your body. And I think a lot of that too, looking back was me, okay, I'm going to go to yoga class. It's supposed to help my mental health, but I want to feel like I'm doing something at the same time. So um, like focusing on like moving like through vinyasa flow and like connecting all those poses to the breath and just focusing on that rather than like sitting in like pigeon in a yin class for like three to five minutes and just like letting my mind wander. uh, I find it more grounding to be kind of constantly go 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 and and rather than like being all like zen and slowing down so when I teach I try to focus on even if it is a little bit of a slower vinyasa class um just like really that connection to the breath and linking that to whatever's going on in the body if I'm holding a pose for a little bit longer or um like the connection to the breath from in the movement from one pose to the next that's awesome because, yeah, I, I feel like that is a really good teacher being able to, to meet the students' needs as opposed to, you know, where your needs might be now. You could probably sustain more of a yin or meditative practice, I'm only assuming. Um, and, like, over the course of practising and having a self-practice, I was definitely the same, like started very physical and I thought it was just physical. And then I can't even remember when when the shift happened, but I think it's like, it's kind of like the failure or success. It doesn't happen overnight. It, it comes with doing things repetitively and you're like, yes, I'm physically feeling great. And we know with the studies that we do, it's like when you're physically moving your body in a really healthy way it's allowing for not only your structure to get stronger but for like the blood flow to start moving and the energy channels to start opening and like everything's actually starting to to flow a bit and that can feel uncomfortable if you've been dissociated maybe with your emotions or you haven't spoken about that so have you had um have you had students or people that you train and teach 
where, you know, they come in and they're loving it. And then all of a sudden they go, this is like, it's too much. Like I'm, it's almost shedding too much light on themselves where they're like, oh, this is super uncomfortable and I don't want to come back. I don't know if I've run into any students that have had that, but in my own practice, I've definitely come across that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and just like from the whole, like tying it back into anxiety and depression, I think that what a lot of people don't realize is when they're turning towards a more naturalistic healing method like yoga or meditation, um, in, with anxiety, it's a lot of like excess kind of pent up energy, like uh, restlessness, stuff like that. So I think that's probably why I was drawn to the more um, active stuff initially. But then in terms of depression, it's like counteracted with the like the tiredness, the sluggishness and the lethargic aspect of it. So in a flow, I find that sometimes, and I'll, I'll, I, I won't like necessarily have conversations with students about this after, but like they'll come and there will be resistance to it. And like, you can kind of sense it in the, like the space, right? But then afterwards or like towards the end, it's almost like a big sigh of relief where it's like, okay, it was hard and I did it, but I'm glad I did it. And I don't know why I'm glad I did it. Um, like if it's like a student or whatever, and they're just like, oh my God, like I so needed that. Like I couldn't even tell you why. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's because of all the like underlying like energetic currents and stuff that you're moving and shifting with the connection of the breath the body and the emotional space in a yogic practice that's awesome I love that girl it's um it's really nice to talk to other teachers who have that holistic approach and it's not just about teaching a, a set class it's like people could come in and they could have a certain energy and it's like okay well this is what we need today guys but I guess having gone through something that my teacher talks about a lot anyway, um, once we've had enough experiences in either, you know, whether it's mental health or our own practice alone, we can then better guide our students and meet them when, where they're at, even if we had a plan. Like they can come in and it's like, this is what I thought we were going to do, but actually we're, we're changing plans. And and most of the time, it's probably not going to be overly different because you'll get to know your students quite well. But it's still a, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for having experienced enough because a question that um, comes up a little bit is people struggling with the consistency to have their own practice. And I'm like, it's an absolute non-negotiable for me because I can't, I feel like I can't teach authentically if I don't have, if I'm not practicing what I preach. And I would, I would love to know your, your viewpoint on that and what your practice daily looks like if you have a daily practice. Yeah. So I agree in the sense that you have to be able to be in that zone and just like that constant, like, I hate the like personal development term for it, but you just have to be kind of on that path for lack of a better way to phrase it um yeah. whether it be through yoga or meditation but that being said my daily practice looks very different like sometimes it's yoga flow sometimes it's meditation sometimes it's sitting and just enjoying a glass of water and just like being and like not being on my phone and just like taking time off social media so 
I think having a personal daily practice is something that's super important, but I also don't think it has to be the exact same thing every day. And that's what I try to um, like share with my students and stuff and people who are following me on social media. It's like, you don't have to do these big dramatic things. Like you don't have to do like a 75 minute Ashtanga thing, Ashtanga flow at like 6 a.m. every single day. You, It can be a five minute meditation. It could be taking five deep breaths first thing when you wake up it can be just like writing down how you felt that day right before bed and it's those simple things over time that just like will build and build and build and I like what you mentioned earlier about you didn't have like an aha moment of okay this is working because when I first started yoga it was very much like that too but it's just like after a while you like it's like that concept like hindsight's always twenty twenty. you like looking back you'll see the differences but when you're living it you don't necessarily feel it so I think in terms of being able to be consistent and sustainable with things, it's just like picking one small thing. And especially with people who are struggling with stress or mental health, the first thing I usually suggest is either a short, like three to five minute meditation or just like taking five belly breaths first thing. I love that. And I think what I struggled with with the transition from when I had a studio practice to practicing at home and then you know becoming a teacher and all of that stuff it was like for me I always felt it had to be physical like because that was where I'd come from and then it wasn't until going to the extremes and that's that's probably part of my personality as well it's like I'll go to the extreme of doing one thing and then it's like burnout and you you kind of in this pendulum thing. But I think, you know, when students find people like yourself that are encouraging them from the beginning to take a really realistic approach, I think that, you know, they may not even know at the time how prized you are because if someone told me a three-minute practice is all you need, like I would just be like, oh my God, like complete weight off and, you know, just to start writing something down or to actually connect how I'm feeling versus how I might be seeing myself in the mirror. So um, uh, I would love for you to speak about what the self-love collective is and whether you teach classes or whether it's more like one-on-one coaching. So with the self-love collective, that was kind of my COVID pandemic creation. And with pivoting from moving out of studio and into the online space. So with that, I am trying, I'm in the process of building up a YouTube channel where I have um, like videos about talking about like stress management, self-care and like how to like incorporate that into easy, sustainable routines in your day-to-day life. And I also have like meditations and yoga flows and all that stuff as well. But really I am focusing on like reaching rather than on a one-on-one setting, but just like getting out to as many people as possible and like through group programs and all that focusing primarily on fighting burnout, healing anxiety and depression in real, like not in a way where it's like forget about like medication and professional help because that's definitely important but like things you can do on the side to help just help speed the process along or like feel a little bit more control in control and stable with all of that um so yeah it's so beautiful and 
I'm so glad to have come across you because I feel like I'm I'm excited to follow you on your your path and in what you're doing and to support you on that as well because I think it's such a valuable thing and it doesn't matter if this information is already out there because I feel that way about yoga I feel this way about so many topics it's about the person who's delivering it not the content because most of the content is there but it's about having enough people to be able to you know connect with our students or connect with someone who resonates with you that you know you said it in a certain way and I'm, I'm sure you get that in like in your classes all the time where people be like, oh, I don't want to go to anybody else because it's the way that you do it. And I don't know how you're doing it, but somehow you just knew what I needed. And um, yeah, it's such a beautiful quality. And I, yeah, I can see that you've got such a beautiful soul and it would be awesome to, um, to see the kinds of classes and little um, videos that you do. I'm really excited to, yeah, follow you in there. Um, I had another question slip my mind. I did go a little bit blank, but that's okay. Um, what was I going to say? What are your plans moving forward with the self-love collective? Like outside of the YouTube videos in terms, are you going to be like making courses or, um, doing any other bigger like webinars or seminars and planning to be local or global what's your vision with what you do if you were to see yourself 12 months from now so I think for me the goal is to go global and just like get out to as many people as possible and I'm in the process of creating a course, which I working title is Stress Less, Live More, basically showing people how to um, reduce stress, anxiety, overwhelm, and just like focus on being more intentional with their time and energy so they don't feel like they're constantly fighting a state of burnout. Um, and I can go through that briefly, basically taking the foundations from yoga and mindfulness and like the philosophies of that and connecting it into the self and like the mind body emotion connection and like building up that self-awareness component in a realistic way. And um, from there connecting to being able to create success, building better habits and just like doing, like doing things to set yourself up to take care of yourself physically, mentally and emotionally. And then help like if you like, like me were struggling with depression and kind of lost your sense of self, like rebuilding that like self-worth and confidence and just like integrating it into your life in a way where it's just seamless and it just happens. That's so that so cool. is in the works for uh, hopefully the beginning of May. Oh, we will look out for that. And um, yeah, I'll definitely do a little uh, shout out for you for then because that's super exciting. That must be fun getting all of that together. And I'm sure a lot of work is involved in that too, hey? yeah a little bit it's it's fun and challenging but also yeah. there are moments where it's like why do I think this is a good idea <laughs> I think that's anything that you're passionate about and like I I truly take my hat off to people who who run their own business and it's only because it's like I'm going through that myself of it seems like you're just doing what's fun and it's like I love it and I'm passionate but it's like man 
it's not for everybody. It really isn't. Um, and, but yeah, I just don't see another way for me personally of like, I want to put in the hard yards and I want to be able to look back and go, man, like I did this. Yeah. It was a bit of slog yet. Yeah, maybe I was a bit tired or, you know, relationships suffered in certain areas or whatever it is. But at the same time, like you said, it's a challenge. And if we don't continue to challenge ourselves throughout life, I don't really see where we, where we grow. And my perspective of, of what yoga is, is that, you know, it really helps me to get from where I am to where I want to be. And it's this, it's this growth path that really, it's, it's a tool to, to help me through life, basically. Um, so I'd love to hear what your definition of yoga is, whether you have one or whether it's more just like a lifestyle. I think for me, it's more of a lifestyle and just like doing that work on a regular basis and just like being in that state of like awareness and noticing and checking in when you, I hate using the term triggered, but when something triggers you or you get like thrown or caught off guard from moment to moment. But I definitely agree with what you were saying about growth and whether anyone listening to this is like into the yogic like path or not I think growth and just like having goals and being able to push yourself is so important because even from um like reflecting on my own mental health journey and my friends who've struggled with anxiety and depression having goals and having something to work towards is so crucial to just like getting moving and taking steps forward in your life and if you're not doing that you're just kind of stuck and spinning your wheels and you're not really moving forward but I think at the same time the self-awareness piece that comes with yoga is something that really was able to just like catapult me forward through a lot of that stuck energy and just like get me back on track way faster because even um, while I was like studying psychology in school a lot of my friends were just like super overwhelmed and like burnt out and they didn't know what was going on and they just like weren't feeling themselves but because of that lack of like inner self-reflection and being able to check in like hey this is working this isn't what can I do to change it or how can I sit with myself through this harder period if that's something that needs to happen they they were missing that and like I'm all about western medicine and science and all that but I think there's something really to be said for the ancient eastern traditions and just like being able to slow down and take a step back and really just focus on where you're at on a day-to-day and moment-to-moment basis. Definitely. And I love that you brought up as well that you're all for Western medicine as well as the Eastern ancient traditions because, yeah, I've started with that Western background and it's like how most of us are raised. We're, we're raised with that like common herd mentality and there's there's a place for it as well, um, but also there is a place for the Eastern ancient stuff too. And if we can somehow blend the two, which is what your mission is, it's, it's such a beautiful way in when you're dealing with people because sometimes they can hear information and go, is it all that kind of woo-woo hippie stuff? And you're like, you can say that, but also there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth in like natural remedies. And, and I often think, as well like if something has naturally occurred in my body whether it's an illness if that's 
somehow naturally happen, then I should naturally be able to heal that as well by myself. And that doesn't always, that's not always the case in terms of like extreme medical situations. But I also believe so much stuff occurs with our mind and our thoughts. And if we're, you know, I, I don't get sick. And, and I think a lot of that is because I wake up with the intention of I'm going to have a friggin' epic day. I'm going to have these amazing connections. And, you know, an example is yesterday I set out the intention, you know, I sent my sister a message. It was like, I'm like setting you a challenge, which one of us can have the best day. I went to work and, you know, I was challenged and it was like, okay. So, and like you said, the word trigger, I don't mind using it, but it's like, I noticed in that moment I was triggered but I took a moment to breathe and I walked away and I was just walking off and I thought if anything that I can control in this situation is how I choose to respond here and how I choose to think and it was like I'm so grateful for that moment. It was a moment of feedback for how I still maybe some things that I'm still not dealing with or something that I, you know, was getting overly comfortable with and um, yeah, it was, it's just always interesting. Just when you think you're like at that next level, some level of a test usually comes in and you're like, okay, so I thought I'd mastered that, but I think I got a little bit more work to go. <laughs> I feel like that's just the journey of life. And that like, is. It, it's that like weird thing of it's like, okay, once you like learn more, you're like, oh my God, there's so much more I need to still work on. But totally. I, I love what you mentioned about <laughs> just like being able to take a step back and pause and control your thoughts. Cause I feel like that's what a lot of people don't realize is they actually have the power to not necessarily control every single thought that's like floating through their mind, but they have the power to choose which of those thoughts they believe and how they are able to use that to shift their day from good to bad or bad to good or however they choose to. Because I find a lot of the times people are just like operating like on such a subconscious level and they don't even know it. Right. And that's why a lot of what I focus on is just, okay, like let's, let's check in with the mind. Let's check in with the emotions. Let's check in with the body and see what's actually going on first. Cause if you don't know what's going on, you can't really change it. That's it. And it was so interesting too. Cause I was, um, so that happened and I, I was like, okay, so I'm just going to go and take out the bins. And it wasn't like I wasn't running away. It was just like I was literally doing a task and I was going there and I literally felt like I had both sides talking at once. And it was in that moment where I'm like, I can choose which one I listen to. And in that moment, it was like, I'm going to listen to the one that's going to help me out of this. And, you know, I haven't always been that aware or haven't always been that um I don't even know what the word would be but able to implement it in that moment it was like I was equally aware of what was happening and equally aware of the action that I needed to take and that has been you know a progressive journey of multiple situations like this happening where maybe at one point I probably would have heard that and just wanted to go home and cry or you know withdraw whereas 
I thought about and it was like, oh, actually I can redirect my thoughts here and I can choose to take it personally or not personally and make my day go in this projection versus how this one comment or situation could really destroy someone's day, you know, like you could really dwell on it or make it bigger than it is. And I, and it was interesting too, because I noticed the other people in the workplace were like trying to make me feel better. And I was like, I'm actually okay. Like, do you know what I mean? Like how everyone around you tries to like coddle you and you're like, I'm good. I'm actually good. Like, thank you for like your understanding, but I'm, but I'm actually like better than good. <laughs> like actually fine. I've let that go because I've taken out the bins. I'm good. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like I can relate to that so much because um, like as humans, like we have a tendency to want to like nurture people. Right. And right. whenever someone is upset, the natural inclination is like to like go out and like check in and make sure they're okay. But with that, like, like with being able to have that awareness in that moment, it makes it so much easier for you to let things go like you did in that situation. And when you're able to let things go, like they no longer control you versus it like sitting and dwelling for hours or days or whatever. Totally. Um, I had this really cool thing happen in my first yoga training. I, I would be curious whether you know, you've done this in your own, in your own life or whether this came up in your training as well. Um, we had, there was like a group of 20 or so of us and every day of the training, which was four weeks and we like, we would do the normal part of the training and then we'd break into this activity that he'd call ICU and someone would come into the middle of the circle and they'd do a pose and there'd be two other people that he would choose to um, to get into the circle and one would walk around looking at all of like the physical structures of like, oh, their arms cross here, their foot's turn this way and then the other person had to um, analyse what what that meant even if they didn't know they just had to make it up on the spot and it was yeah it was a really interesting activity because you can tell so much about somebody's body language and often people would like completely break down and you know and like any yoga training I think or any intense training that anyone goes through um, it brings up a lot of emotions it puts you in a very vulnerable state and you know, when people are crying, something that was really powerful that my teacher said, it was like, don't go and hug them. Don't like, don't try and make them feel better in this. Just let them cry, let them be. And I know that there is a space and a time that that is appropriate and it was appropriate in those moments. But um, yeah, I'd be curious to know what your experiences are with people who get emotional and whether you are initially drawn to like, you know, hug them or make them feel better or now with your level of awareness, like letting them sit in it and just being okay with being uncomfortable. So when 
I did my yoga teacher training every other day we would have satya circles or truth circles mm-hmm. and like we didn't do like poses or anything like that but there would like the facilitator would like start off with a couple of questions and then we would like basically go around the group and whenever who like if I was talking nobody else was allowed to speak until like I had finished my thought and we would like move on and similar thing like like there were tissues in the room and stuff, obviously, but if someone started crying, like we weren't allowed to like offer that or like, like hug or comfort them or anything like that. Um, and that was really actually interesting to be able to be in that and it, one experience it too, but see it happening to other people because it just reminds you that everyone deals with things in their own unique way. And sometimes their way of processing is completely different from yours and that is totally okay um so these days when I'm running into someone in my personal life that is like really upset or um really angry or frustrated I a lot of the times will just like take a step back and like be there and like hold space for them and just like hear them out if that's something that they need um and I might like like if, if they're just like being overly dramatic, like I might just, I might call them out on it depending on how close I am. I'm just like, okay, get over it. But um, if it's like something serious, I'm definitely there to just like hang out, listen. And like, if I feel like I have something to offer them, I might, but at the same time, it's not like, oh my God, come here. Like, let's like cry about this together. Could you just speak to what holding space means? So for me, holding space means just being able to be there and be present for whatever might be happening in terms of like an emotional experience. So if someone like, and this could be if someone's like really excited, if they got like a promotion at work and just like being able to be there and like be uplifting and happy for that person rather than like, falling into like a place of jealousy and just like like being present in the moment but on the flip side if someone's like really really upset just being able to kind of like be there keep your calm and just be a sounding board for them like if they feel like they need like your advice but like giving them the space to ask for it and giving like being there and being supportive in a way that they don't like question how much you care or are concerned about them, but also not trying to steer them one way or the other and trying to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, the phrase I'm looking for, not trying to help them to like make yourself more comfortable in the situation, if that makes sense. Well said. Yeah. I, um, that was such a cool point because I think I wanted to ask that question because I think a lot of the times people think holding space is only when someone's going through something maybe like really challenging or more if we use the word negative, whereas you said, you know, holding space can be when someone's excited or, you know, they're like elated or something huge has happened and it's not about comparing your story with theirs it's like oh I actually want to be excited with you like this is great yay let's have tea or like whatever you do to get pumped like I love tea personally but um (laughs) yeah it's such a beautiful point like because I think sometimes when I've been excited or whatever you know you either depending on who you're telling it to you you might dull down your energy because you know that other person may not hold the space for you or or what it is whatever it is but 
when you're in that space and someone's like super excited with you and they're not they're not trying to draw away from that experience it's like it's such a beautiful feeling to be present and to be heard and to be listened to and then also to listen to others it's so such a beautiful exchange of a friendship or a relationship and in whatever sense that is whether it's you know family friends or students it's yeah it's a cool quality who are your teachers beautiful Alex like it can be anything yogic non-yogic yogic to me is just living in general so (laughs) so um the teachers that I really look up to are uh Christopher and Dianam who ran my teacher trainings at Yandara and they're just like honestly they're walking angels like they are like a level of zen that I aspire to get to yes (laughs) don't know that I'll get there but that's the goal Um, and then I love just diving into personal development and just like focusing on things to help just like make myself a better person. So I can't, I wish I had like the names off the top of my head, but I love like reading books. Like I finished, um, the girl wash your face by Rachel Hollis. And that is a little bit businessy, but the, the way she goes about things and just like the attitude that she has towards life that's more so what I look for in people and being able to just like hold yourself and like own your worth so I, I really admire people who are capable of doing that and being able to share how to do that with others as well beautiful we're going to wrap up with just a few rapid fire questions just think quickly um these rapid fire questions have been not so rapid because I just tend to chat with people and (laughs) chat about their answers but we'll see how we go yeah I'm just gonna grab my laptop charger so once go for it no worries Sorry about that. Not a problem. Favorite time of day? Early morning. Mm, Yes. Why? I like being up before the world wakes up and all that kind of chaotic energy of like commuting, rushing around, getting to jobs or work or school really kicks in. And I just like being able to start off my morning like nice and slow. So if it's even just 15 minutes extra before I have to like rush out the door, I really cherish that. If you could pass on one message, if today was your last day, what would it be? I would say just focus on what you love and everything else is going to fall into place rather than doing things to try to like get a certain income, impress people or like make your family happy. Just do stuff for you. Be a little bit selfish in that regard because that's where you're really going to thrive. I love that. Good answer. What was your last Google search? Oh God, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) It's probably nothing that interesting. Um, I don't even know where. (laughs) Good old Google. 
what would we do without it these days huh oh my god I have no idea <laughs> oh I probably just like this is super boring but I probably just like googled how to get to my google calendar <laughs> and like the chrome search job <laughs> are you a sweet or a savory girl definitely sweet I love chocolate oh I'm such a chocolate and ice cream it's I wish I was savory but yeah these rapid fire ends up turning into me answering the questions as well, which was not the intention for this, but I love it. <laughs> yes. What would be a top recommended podcast, book, movie, or TV series, whatever, you know, floats your boat? Book you can choose three. Book. So Joy of Missing Out. Again, I wish I knew the author off the top of my head, but that Joy is amazing. Joy of Missing Out. Let me just get that down. Yep. Podcast. Um, what is it? Brittany Jones, the, I think it's called Unstoppable, but she has the CEO method. Ah. So in terms of building confidence and business building, I love her. And in terms of movie or show, let me pull up what I am watching on Netflix. Yes. That is always an interesting experience. <laughs> There's so much on there dangerous place it's such a dangerous place it's like don't let me get started it's a bit like YouTube you think you're on there for just one show and then you're like five hours later oh my god it's so easy to go down like a black hole of shows um so one of the shows that I recently finished was the Fosters and that basically follows a family in Southern California who it's a gay couple and they foster uh, a bunch of different kids and it goes through like all the trials and challenges that they go through throughout their lives. So it's all about like character development and then like growing up because it starts like with them kind of in their early teens and follows them like into graduating high school and like going off to like their full-time jobs and stuff. Uh, so it's a very you... like heartwarming show. Girl, I reckon my sister would love that and I would as well. So we might have to watch that together when we have a spare moment. If you like that, watch The Untouchables. I think I'm going to be starting that like today or tomorrow. So cool. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's such a beautiful story of like the, the little Indian children growing up through that system. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <coughs> Pardon me um what would you do like what would be your job if you couldn't do what you're doing today if I couldn't do what I'm doing today I would probably I probably would have continued on with my path in psychology and gone into counseling or clinical and being able to help people who are struggling with their mental health mm-hmm that triggers me for the question that I wanted to ask earlier when I went blank. How far into your psychology degree did you get before you transitioned out? So I did my bachelor's before I transitioned out. Yeah. And that was mostly because of like, I was just dealing with uncontrollable stress at the time. And I am very much like, if I'm helping someone, I want to see like I want to like have that human to human connection and be able to check in with people on a weekly or monthly basis or however often the sessions are versus doing the behind the scenes research stuff, which obviously is important, but 
I knew that with the way my university was like filtering towards like do your thesis and it's like obscure lab and attention or volunteer in a study participate in this lab do your master's in like this research field mm-hmm. just the filtering system like did not sit well with me and to, to be able to get to the point where I would have been able to be like hands-on helping people and making a difference um it just would have been too much actually that being said I if I didn't do psychology counseling I probably would have done social work perfect oh we got to the answer then cool <laughs> are you do you remember your dreams most of the time yes and they are crazy vivid and it's really weird what was your last dream or one that you can remember that was crazy share it I love dreams so I had this dream I wish I remembered like all the details but I was like hanging out with this guy and we were just like I don't know if we were like in a car just like in a small room or something and like hanging out and talking and we were going on about somehow mental health and all this random stuff and it was one of those ones where it's like it feels real but there's like elements of things that wouldn't happen in real life just like floating around and we were talking about like love life and mental health and like autism somehow came up it was very strange (laughs) Maybe a future soulmate. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Oh, last question. What are you doing directly after this call? After this call, I am probably going to make and enjoy some dinner because it's getting kind of late here. What are you going to have? I think I'm making pork chops tonight. So Amazing. Beautiful soul, Alex, where can people find you? What is the best way that they can look at your content, get in touch with you, give them all of the juice and I'll include it in the show notes when I upload this episode. So the best ways to get in touch with me would be my YouTube channel, which is the Self Love Collective. Um, And then follow me on Instagram, either on my personal page, just Alex Katarba or the Self Love Collective where you found me. Perfect. Yay. I look forward to seeing all of the amazing content that you continue to put out there, um, including your upcoming course in with, yeah, the, the hopes for it being in May. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll definitely help putting the word out there for that. So it's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you, hearing your story and yeah, just getting to laugh and And also just, yeah, dive deep into the real questions, I guess, that maybe people are asking, maybe they're not. I don't know. Thank you so much for having me. Beautiful. We will continue to chat, beautiful soul. And I wanted to give a shout out to um, a friend of mine that I went to uni with and he's been following my content and this podcast. So I'm going to give a shout out to the beautiful Taylor Anderson. Thank you. If you're listening, send me a message and whoever else is on here, please share or like or comment and subscribe away. And if you have any recommendations of other people who um, would really add value to being on an episode on here, just send me a message and we'll get them on. I'm so looking forward to putting out more content and stay tuned for the next episode. Signing out with Oceans of Love and Light, Loft.